You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. Well, good morning, church. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Melanie Watt. I've been part of this uh, family for about 11 years now. And uh, so over the years, I have had the privilege of um, sharing about Israel. And usually it's the first Sunday of, uh, of um, October every year that we have uh, Bless Israel, uh, Pray for the Peace of Jerusalem. And uh, Pastor asked me just to share this morning a uh, little bit uh, what was on my heart in regards to uh, Israel as a nation and what is our uh, connection to Israel. And I'm going to need a little bit more lights in here. Uh, everybody complains about the lights, but I, I need them. <laughs> Get a little older. Um, I, I really feel this is quite timely this morning to have this message in light of uh, if anyone has heard about the news yesterday morning in uh, the United States in Pennsylvania, there was a shooting, a mass shooting in a synagogue, and uh, very, very horrific. And it just gives an indication of the world and the time that we're living in. This is a season where the nations are being shaken, and, uh, and Israel is right in the center of it in a lot of ways. It's not widely spoken about, the anti-Semitism that is in the world, and even in this very nation. And as we see evidenced in the United States just yesterday, it is rampant. And uh, so it, it's, it's something that really is, we need to talk about it. We need to know what we need to do for Israel. What is our part? How are we connected to them? And, um, and there's a lot of thought and theories out there, even within the church, what connection we do have with Israel. Some would say, oh, no, it's really, you know, uh, the church is who God has raised up to replace the Jews because of their disobedience. That's called replacement theory or, or theology. There's others that have put prominence, like the World Council of Churches, uh, over Palestine and, and the Palestinians and say they have a right and the Jews do not have a right to that land. But I want to... Um, to give the perspective of a biblical Christian Zionist or Zionism uh, understanding. I, I believe it's more sound in the scriptures. And uh, so when I refer to a biblical Zion, uh, Zionism, Zionism or Christian Zionism, I need to start, first of all, what is Zionism? It is the right for the Jewish people to return to their homeland. And you may have heard the saying, making Aliyah, to return back to the land that God had promised. It is based on scriptural grounds. You know, God had scattered the Jews throughout the nations as punishment for their disobedience and their idolatry. And I don't know if you've ever read, I love the Old Testament. I just, ever since I've been a believer, and that's been over 40 years ago, uh, when I came into the kingdom... I, uh, I just fell in love with the Old Testament, and I just loved it, studied and studied. So this is referenced in Hosea. <clears throat> Hosea was a prophet, and um, 
he was looking for his bride, you know. Some of you go on the dating sites, you know, checking out who am I going <laughs> to connect with, who's the love of my life. And he was looking forward to, you know, marrying one. And, and God had a special someone in mind for him. Her name was Gomer. And if you haven't read the story, she had quite a darkened past. She actually sold herself for money. She was a harlot. So here's this prophet of God, man of God, hearing from God, and God tells him, that's who I've chosen for you. Wow. Quite awesome, right? I get to have this lady. All right, now what do I do with this? God had something in particular in mind with this is because he was going to show what his relationship was to Israel, to the Jewish people, and also showing his mercy that is extended not only to Israel, but all those that, that he calls to himself and yet have been disobedient. So what happened was he married Gomer, brought her into his home, and... Uh, they start their family, and so they have one son, and then they have a daughter and another son. And, but it wasn't long before all of a sudden she starts to think back of the old life. She gets drawn back to the old ways, the old lifestyle. And she actually up and leaves them, leaves them and goes back into the world that she had known. She was committing adulteries. She was committing adultery. So she was just foreign from what was righteous and holy living. And she did that for a season. And even as low as she got, she didn't acknowledge, hey, I've missed it. I need to go back to, uh, to, to, uh, to my uh, first love. No, she didn't do that. No, Hosea finally found her at her very darkest time. There she was up on the auction block, being sold like a piece of meat. She had no value. She had lost her standing. She lost her, her reputation. Not that she had a great one to begin with, but when she actually aligned herself with this prophet, she could have redeemed herself. But she had other choices that she had made and turned away, turned away from what was right. He bought her back. Wow, what love, what mercy. He bought her back. He paid the 15 pieces of silver and the barley, and he bought her back and brought her back into her home with her children and her family, just like as if nothing ever had happened, like she had never done anything wrong. That is the mercy of God. That is his love extended that's what he's done for his children. So even though he drove the, the Israelites, the Jews, into the nations because of their disobedience, he brought them back to the promised land again. And we see this when the state of Israel became established in 1948. That was a fulfillment of this prophecy. So basically Zionism is the right for the Jewish people to return to their homeland to make Aliyah. So what is biblical Zionism? 
Well, as believers of the Bible and of the God of the Bible, we should conclude that the Jewish people and the land of Israel were both chosen for the purpose of world redemption. The Jews' return to their homeland is evidence of God's faithfulness to his covenant promise, which he had made to Abraham. He also had promised to, to, to bring them to a land, and at that time it was known as the land of Canaan, to establish it as their possession for them and the descendants after them. Let us be clear. All human beings are equal, but the Jews have a unique role in the world that we must respect. The worship of God, his word, his commandments, and his covenants, and also the fact that we received our Redeemer were all delivered to us through the Jewish people. Their being chosen is to be seen as their role, but they are not to be considered racially superior. Let's keep this in balance. We honor them for their faithfulness and what they sacrificed to make a way to create a lineage whereby Jesus, the Messiah, could come through. Unfortunately, the bitter legacy of Christians and Christianity over the years, history has shown that we have been very anti-Semitic. When you look at the, um, the Crusades, the medieval expulsion of the Jews, the Inquisition, the Holocaust, and even up until about 40 years ago, in the mid-70s, the Catholic Church was very anti-Semitic. It wasn't until Pope John Paul II, in the 70s, actually decreed that it was a sin to be anti-Semitic and anti-Zionist. I didn't know that. I wasn't aware of that until I start researching. Jewish people are responsible to the world for preserving the message and the feasts that reveal the redemptive covenant that God had with man. Now, their disobedience didn't cancel the covenant God had promised, but they did forfeit the privilege of enjoying its benefits. So talking about covenant, that's what I felt really strong to talk about today, was the covenant. It, what is a biblical covenant? That's not something we know in our culture. Ancient cultures or older cultures really know about covenant, but we don't. We don't understand it. But it's a very powerful thing. It is a pledge. It's not a contract. It's a formal alliance and promise with conditions that are agreed upon by each of the parties involved. It's a giving of oneself to another, as you'll see in marriage. And it requires fulfillment. So many covenants are recorded in the word. You'll find that God made covenant with Adam. He made covenants with Adam. He made covenants with Abraham, with Moses, with David, and with Jesus. The Hebrew prophets were servants of the covenants and taught us that God's faithfulness was to his promises. Let's look at Genesis 12. 2 to 3, where God spoke to Abraham and promised him, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. 
and in you all the families of the earth shall be saved. Well, we see three promises in one here. First of all, it was the promise of the heirs and descendants that were going to come. Remember, he had Abraham look upon the stars of the sky, and he said, you see as many stars as you see, that's going to be your descendants. And Abraham didn't have one in the natural. He said, look at the sand, and, and, and walk in the sand, and all those, those uh, sand granules that are in your feet are as many as the descendants you're going to have. As far as the eye can see, you know, the Middle East has a lot of sand. <laughs> and that's going to be your descendants. Like, really? And he didn't even have one. Not in the natural. The second promise was the land to become a nation, identifiable place. And the third promise was of blessings. I want to talk about Genesis 15, 9 to 21 where it shows the cutting of covenant with Abraham. Now, Abraham means many. But when God started to, when he made covenant with him, he made a new declaration over his life and called him Abraham, which means father of many. And I think he does that with us, you know? Like, he looks at us, sees our potential, and he knows our name, we know our name, and we understand, okay, what we're called to do, but we don't realize the fullness of potential that is in us until we really make covenant with him and walk with him and say, okay, God, what do you want to do with my life? Abraham was such a man. In fact, it was accounted unto him for righteousness, how he trusted and believed God. So let's look at Genesis 15. What's happening here is that uh, God appears to Abraham in a vision. And uh, he's reminding Abraham of all the promises about him being an heir, having land, having, you know, blessings, prosperity. And uh, in this vision, Abraham, Abraham, because it was before he became Abraham, Abraham really wanted a sign. He, he, he said, okay, I know you're telling me this and telling me this, but I really need something a little bit more, more, uh, um, real, just so I can grab a hold of that, you know? And so uh, he was wanting a sign. So in this vision, he sees himself taking, as was the custom when you were going to cut a covenant in those days, in the ancient times, they took animals. So in particular, he took a heifer, he took a, a ram and a young goat, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. He cut them in half and visualize this, he put the two halves on opposite sides and then the birds on opposite, created an aisleway just like we have here. So you have your critters on each side. And then what was expected in the custom was that each party that were coming into agreement would walk in between the animals where there was the sacrifice and the shedding of blood. And they walked between it and made a, a, a covenant made declaration, prophesied, or in this case, God actually prophesied some things during this ceremony. But what we see here is all of a sudden, Abraham falls asleep. He enters into a state of sleep. Now remember, he's the guy that wanted to see a sign. Now, 
here's something happening, and he's actually asleep, oblivious to this in that sense. But it was the vision he was watching. And what happened was God, in, the, 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 um, in a manifestation of a smoking pot or a torch with flame, actually went down the aisle between the animals and the birds and went through. And as he went through, he was making declaration of Israel's future. He was actually, he was actually speaking forth that they were going to end up in, in a place of slavery. He was uh, you know, sharing the different things, future of Israel. And he also had some prophetic things he had to say about Abraham. So here's the vision of this torch and this pot going down the middle in between the... Well, where was Abraham? He wasn't part of that. What? I thought that a covenant was cut between two parties. How could this be that he wasn't present to carry out his end of the bargain? Because God had a different plan. It was his plan that he would pay the way for both parties' responsibility. There was God on his end... Well, I'm going to fulfill my end of the bargain, what I'm called to do to make sure that this comes to pass and just to make sure because he knew man can be weak, man can be tempted and can fall, that he didn't permit man or Abraham to actually engage in that covenant. He did both parts of the responsibility. God swore by no greater than himself. He did it himself. And uh, what that represented was when a covenant is made, the glory and the presence of God comes in on the scene. It seals it. And, and just like there was the sacrifice and there was blood, when you look at the new covenant, and that's what the New Testament is called, the new covenant, Jesus, his body, was broken. His blood was spilled for us. And when we enter into covenant to God through Jesus, we're actually, that's the same thing that's transpiring as we're receiving the fullness of that blessing by entering into covenant. God swore by himself not to break this covenant and also to fulfill Abraham's um, responsibility. But being asleep in that sense, Abraham didn't witness in person this very uh, this great ceremony and that covenant, cutting of that covenant. He didn't actually witness it with his natural eyes. And I believe that's a type a type and shadow of what we experience when we receive Jesus. We don't have Jesus' physical body broken before us or his blood, but it's by faith, not by sight, that we enter into this covenant. This covenant actually is the, the introduction to the covenant of grace the covenant of blood and salvation. So you recognize that there was nothing on man's part in regards to works 
or doing certain things to be able to qualify for the fulfillment of that promise and that covenant. And you'll find that in um, Romans 3, 21 to 26, and Ephesians 2. And I just want to uh, look at that in my iPad here. Just give me a second, I'll open it up. Ephesians 2, 8 to 22, and I have it in the New Living Translation. <clears throat> For you, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But our very nature, but by very, our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all the future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and the kindness towards us, as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you, were, when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now don't forget, you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the, by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their very hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ, you were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people, when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that had separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations, and he made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together, as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility to, toward each other was put to death. So there should not be any anti-Semitism. Did I say that right? No. Semitism. Um, with uh, the Jewish people, we really shouldn't. We should be standing with them as brothers, brought together as one. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house. 
built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Powerful, isn't it? The promise of God were to Abraham's seed. So he wasn't just talking about Abraham's seed in, uh, in being his descendants physically, but also he had extended it in a spiritual way in adopting us as we came in through, through uh, the blood of Christ. So to all who believe in God can enter into the promises of Abraham's seed. Galatians 3, verse 7. And God's eternal blessing is forged through faith and the blood of his son Jesus, Hebrews 9, 12. The Abrahamic covenant then is essentially a covenant of salvation and God's plan to save the world. Salvation to the families of the earth through Jesus. And of course also the promise of the land of Canaan that would be in existence for eternity. You find that in Genesis 17, 7 and 8. Jesus' body was broken and his blood was spilled to seal the new covenant promise, promise. Our covenant with Jesus is seen in Mark 8, 34. So when we receive Jesus and we enter into covenant with him, he is asked that we commit to, who, as he said, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself take up his cross, and follow me. Every believer should value and honor Jewish lineage and respect their right to their identity and their right to their land. Jews were the first fruits of this covenant, and through the lineage which began with Abraham, which preserved a way, it preserved a way for the Messiah to come so we can all enter in together as one. And in a sense, we are the, um, they are the original root and tree, and we have been grafted in because of their faithfulness to the promises. Thank you for this opportunity, Pastor. Well, let me just, I think uh, my sister did a real good job on it. Very good. Thank you very much. So, what have we learned? God says he will bless those who bless Israel. Genesis 12, 3, I will bless them that bless thee, curse them that curse thee, and in thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Through Israel, the promises and the covenants were given. And through them came the law of the pro and the prophets. Through them came the Messiah, Jesus, who had opened up the access to God for all. Through the Jewish apostles, the gospel first went to the nations, who is over all. God's gift and call on Israel have not been revoked, will never be revoked. God, do not take back anything that he says. 
Romans 11:28 as regards to the gospel they are enemies of God for your sake for our sake but as regards to election they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers and the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable through most though most Jews have not yet responded to the gospel this has not invalidated God's plan for them he will ultimately fulfill what he has promised the covenant with abraham has not been replaced by the new covenant nor been set aside because of their failure to enter into that new covenant through the once and for all sacrifice of jesus has been fulfilled and replace the temple sacrifices the eternal covenant god made with abraham isaac and jacob and their descendants has not been set aside romans chapter 11 verse 26 paul says the hardening a hardening has come upon part of israel until the full number of the gentiles has come in and so all israel will be saved then god has promised to bring them back to their land and we see that is already in place is being been uh they've been coming back since uh they become a nation was in 1948 i believe it is they became a nation and uh, they are still coming back to their land god has promised to turn again to the jewish people to bring them back to their land and to cleanse them from all unrighteousness in amos uh, chapter 9 verses 14 and 15 he says this is the promise he makes i will restore the fortunes of my people israel and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them I will plant them up on their land and they shall never again be plucked up out of the land which I have given them says the Lord your God. In Ezekiel chapter 37 verses 21 and 22 I will take the people of Israel from the nations among which they have gone and will gather them from all sides and bring them to their own land and i will make them one nation in the land up on the mountains of israel and one king shall be king over them all we know that jesus christ according to prophecy one day is going to be king over all the earth amen and he's going to rule from jerusalem The regathering of Israel is prophesied in Ezekiel, Isaiah, Deuteronomy, Amos, uh, uh, Hosea, Jeremiah, by Jesus and by Paul in Romans. It is a key condition to the full flowering of the messianic age. God promised Abraham and his descendants the land of Israel as an everlasting possession. He confirmed that promise with Isaac and with Jacob and with today we are to comfort God's people Isaiah 40 verses 1 and 2 says comfort comfort my people says the Lord your God 
Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. This is a call to Christians to, com com to comfort the Jewish people. Isaiah also envisioned that the leaders of the nations would help the Jewish people and nurture them in their regathering. The teaching, of, as, as uh, Melanie already said, the teaching that the church has replaced Israel is not a biblical teaching. God has, planned for Israel. God has a plan for Israel. It has been prophesied in Scripture, and it will be fulfilled. Romans eleven fifteen, For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? The Messiah, Jesus Christ, is coming back to Israel to be reconciled to his own people. The Bible says he will come, and he will, he will land on the mountain where the temple is right now, where the, the, where the, the temple mount, where the, uh, the Muslim mosque is right now. Romans eleven fifteen. and then the Messiah is coming back to Israel to be reconciled with his own people. He will reign from there his, his overcoming saint, with his overcoming saints from every tribe and tongue and people and nation over all the nations. Isaiah 2 verse 3 says, For out of Zion shall go forth the law of the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between nations and shall decide for many people. Uh, they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. That's going to be a beautiful time, isn't it? World peace is coming. The fullness of the Messianic age is, is coming. But first, there must be destruction of all the systems and kingdoms that ignore God's Messianic plan. So as I conclude today, I just want to say, support Israel in your prayers and in your giving. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem and for God's purpose for his Jewish people. Uh, you may donate to Israel through the PAOC or some other reputable organization, and I suggest that you do not do your homework before donating. You don't want to be guided by emotion. You can look at some very well-published uh, uh, TV programs that uh, would give you the indication that they are helping the Jewish people, but there may be a lot of money going into someone else's pocket rather than to the people who need it. So you need to do your homework on it. We desire to encourage biblical solidarity with God's plan for the Jewish people in Israel. And so the position that we have taken here at Kolei Community Church from the leadership standpoint is that uh, we are very careful in who we would suggest to you to give to. And uh, so rather than suggest that you would give to someone that we think right now is a very reputable organization and then have you come back and say, Pastor, we just found out is in the news that these people are frauds 
and we've given all this money to them and it's your fault. We, we would rather say, okay, we have, in, 19, in 1983, we sent, POC sent a young couple to Jerusalem. Uh, their name is Wayne and Ann Hilston. And they uh, began to work with a, a, a man named Jim Cantillon. Maybe you may, may know him, know of him. But uh, they did a tremendous work there in Israel, and they started a church called King of Kings Church. It's a powerful church. It's a mega church today. And uh, they are of the Messianic uh, brand. And, uh, and so uh, Ron and Anne are still doing missions now. He's not pastor of the church. He was pastor of the church for a while, but he's not pastor of that church anymore, but he's still doing a tremendous work, and he's, in, he's connected with that, that church, but uh, they've got another ministry, and you can donate to the PAOC online through them. If you decide to give to Israel, uh, then we would, we would send that. That would go to the PAOC, and they would put it to where most needed in Israel, but it would still go to Israel. But there are other many great uh, places. Maybe your, maybe your heart are for orphanages. Maybe your heart is for uh, the seniors uh, of, his, of uh, Jewish seniors that have come back from Russia and all the, the, uh, the communist world, and uh, they really have nothing. So there's a lot of ways that you can, you can support them. But this will bring blessing on our church and on our city if we would do that. Amen? And uh, Psalms, uh, another way is the practical way is to learn about the people and, and support them in their economy is to visit Israel. And, uh, and uh, you would learn a lot about it. We were just to, uh, to the, uh, the uh, National House of Prayer this past week, uh, uh, 10 of us went down there from the church. We had an awesome time, and we learned a lot about our government, about the needs of our land, and all of these things. And, and we'll have somebody share about that probably next Sunday or in the future anyway. But, uh, uh, and that's the way it is. If you go to Israel, you will, you will know a lot more than just hearing about it because you will have experienced it. So Psalms 48 verses 12 and 13 says, Walk about Zion and go all around her. Count her towers. Mark well her bulwarks. Consider her palaces and places that you may tell it to the generations following. And uh, I think this is very in keeping with, uh, with this Sunday as well. You're going to find out that on November the 7th, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau made an announcement on, on a conference call with the Canadian rabbis last Thursday that on November the 7th, the Liberal government will officially apologize for the 1939 decision to turn away the ocean liner St. Louis, a ship carrying 907 German Jews fleeing the Nazi regime. These Germans, German Jews, were looking for refuge uh, in Canada, but they were turned away under the none-is-too-many policy of the time of that liberal government. Trudeau said in a tweet, this was an absolute moral failure 
on, on the part of the government. And though, of course, an apology cannot bring the victims back, we're committed to doing what we can to right this wrong. The ship was turned away from Cuba and the United States before a group of Canadians tried to convince Prime Minister Mackenzie King, government, his government, to let it dock in Halifax. But the Canadian government heeded the anti-Semitic sentiment abroad at the time by severely restricting Jewish immigration. From 1933 to 1945, only about 5,000 Jewish refugees were accepted because of what Trudeau called our discriminatory, none is too many immigration policy. When Ottawa refused to let the, the, the MS St. Louis passengers disembark, the ship returned to Europe. About half the passengers were taken in by the UK, the Netherlands, France, and Belgium. About 500 of them ended up back in Germany, where 254 were killed in concentration camps. There are 257 Messianic organizations in Israel today. I counted that up on the, on the internet. It could be more than that, but there are at least 275, rather, 275 Messianic organizations in Israel today. So the church is very strong. The Christian message is very strong in Israel. And of course, the message is going out to Orthodox Jews who are receiving the message and coming to know Jesus Christ as their Savior as well. So God is doing a great work, and we can, we can be a part of that. And so let's all just stand together, and let's pray together for our Jewish brothers and sisters and those who do not know the Lord yet. We're going to, yes, we're going to do a video right after that. So Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you today that you have given us a privilege and an opportunity and really a duty to pray for Israel. To pray, Lord, that the things that there are nations that are bitterly opposed to Israel. You look at the United Nations and all of the people who vote against them and try to put them down and would like to have Israel wiped off the map. But Lord, we know that that is impossible because you have decreed that your people will rule in their land. They will be in that land and that Jesus himself is coming back to be king over all of the world, ruling from Jerusalem. So Father, I pray that you will forgive us and our forefathers, Lord, for the for the anti-Semitism that we've had against these people. And Lord, embrace them as a part of God's great plan to bring peace, real peace, into the hearts and lives of men and women and into the whole world. And so, Lord, we pray, Father, that we will do what we can so that your work can go ahead and that your people may come back to you to know you as their true Messiah 
In Jesus' mighty name we pray. You have been listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.